Hi folks, welcome back to another episode of Run Yogi Diaries. This is your host Santosh Shiva. Every week I bring you conversations with people who are on a journey, journey of well-being and fitness through endurance sports. I hope they spark some possibility in you, leave you with some tips and perhaps inspire you to perspire. In the house today is Katie Sports, who was on the podcast episode number 20 last year. to share her incredible rowing journey across the atlantic from africa to south america and this was barely when she was in her early 20s her mission to bring clean water and increase awareness about this problem through her endurance endeavors continues to get stronger this year she she ran 11 ultras that's 50 k's every day for 11 consecutive days to raise money to bring clean water for 11 communities in Africa. We sat down with her to hear about this amazing project and where she's headed next. Let's dig in. Hey Kerry, welcome back to Run Yogi Diaries. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you back. Um uh, it's been more than a year since the last maybe well not more than a year but about a year since the last time we had you in the show and a lot has happened um you know you uh, you've been doing a lot of good work you also been on Joe Rogan who's my one of my favorite you know shows uh, i was so stoked to see you there i was like jumping in joy when i saw you there. Oh, thank you <laughs> yeah amazing. he was a big part of like the last adventure and and actually sponsored it so hmm. that was pretty incredible that he you know he didn't even i didn't even tell him what like the world record was or what i was doing but he's like i want to support it so hmm. it was it was amazing and we funded more water projects so it was a really awesome opportunity and yeah that was so it was really nice to meet him and and be a part yeah. of it so that's terrific that's terrific yeah. very very happy for you So, you know, I think we should, uh, would love to hear about pandemic. You know, pandemic has been one big I would say factor that was has been different since the last time we met, right? The, the world's changed in a bit. Uh, so, how is it for you personally? Yeah, so I am working full-time for the Coast Guard and so mm-hmm. because we are first responders my like day to day hasn't changed significantly mm. um in terms of what i do outside of work which is all the charity work f- by combining endurance um i was originally planning to do a run across ohio because that's my home state and i did have to modify that um because of of limiting the travel and so last mm-hmm. year um that is why i decided to do a run for water across the state of maine so that was 138 miles um from canada to the coast um so yeah i mean obviously it's been a challenge for everyone for different reasons and i think we all are very aware of those challenges um One of the articles I read recently was about like instead of post traumatic stress it was about athletes talking about 
post-traumatic growth and how, mm. um, you know, if I could say anything about the positive of, of COVID while not minimizing the significant, you know, negatives to it, obviously, but, you know, I think that it's given us an opportunity to take a step back and and do things differently. And I know for myself that sometimes it's periods of downtime that you can have kind of a wave of creativity or energy towards doing something different or new. And I think that because of the extra time that some have had, it, it has helped like being able to run and, and focus more on, on running in a way where I'm less like distracted or pulled in different directions. And I don't think, you know, I would have been able to do a lot of those different events without having that block of, of time. And so, um, yeah, I mean, again, it's not, of course, would rather not have this happen for, for our world, but I've seen, you know, good that can, can, can come from it. And so um, just kind of focusing on and reminding myself of those things too. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And uh, post-traumatic uh, growth is, is a, a interesting reframing of, uh, of something like this because, and I guess, you know, uh, anytime there is a difficult situation, there's an opportunity for growth or you could just get, you know, overwhelmed by it. And I think that's a nice, that's a nice way to look at things overall. Yeah. I mean, right. It, it, sometimes when things are so bad or traumatic or, you know, it's hard to even yeah. think like that, but there is science behind it. There is research mm -hmm. behind the fact that there can be these situations where you grow in ways that you couldn't have without that kind of experience. Yeah. And so um, I, I hope no matter what, it's all ammo, it's all energy. And so mm. I hope that no matter what, even those hard things can be channeled and redirected and used productively. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. I think, uh, you know, uh, except for situations where people have lost someone, Absolutely. you know, which, which yeah. is really hard to kind of uh, replicate. Uh, but I agree that, you know, situations like this uh, allows you to reprogram your brain, your mind, and look at things from a new perspective. But yeah, folks, folks who have lost dear ones, it's this, you know, it's just, uh, I'm sure they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to relate to this, right? It's just, just so, yeah. so traumatic. And uh, I mean, and for, yeah. Yeah. So one of the losses personally is, is my, my cousin passed away mm. and she was a COVID nurse and she was mm. 25. So like, Whoa. I've never gone to a funeral with someone younger than me, but that was also, or, and that was also like, she was very philanthropic. She was always giving back. And, and so, um, my aunt was saying that, um, you know, I didn't have enough time, but the rest of my life is also not enough time to live out her legacy. So I think everyone there felt, um, you know, called to live out her legacy. And so, hmm. um, 
we've all been doing little things and acts of kindness in her memory, just because we know that that's, that's how she would have lived out. So Mm -hmm. even in that, I, I still, I, I'm like, uh, (laughs) I don't know, just got to always find that silver lining. And, and I think that's what COVID can teach us to do and to keep striving and searching for, for what is good, even when, when those clouds and, and that's something, you know, ultras have taught me too. And running has Mm -hmm. taught me that you, you have to fight to, to find it. And it is always there. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, well said, uh, never, never a easy black and white, uh, perspective to this, but you got to take what you can from, from this and move forward. You know, that's the only way, um, you know, the other alternative is to be stuck and, you know, be stuck in your past, which is not very, it's miserable. Uh, so, you know, there's the, the best way is to pick up whatever you can, uh, any silver lining you can pick on and move forward. So that, you know, talking about silver lining and uh, the way you've been kind of uh, managing your pandemic, you know, the world <laughs> during the pandemic is coming up with this project, the 11 by yeah. 11, right? Yeah. Uh, so... Which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so Run for Water uh, across Ohio was 11 ultras in 11 days to raise funds for 11 clean water projects in Uganda by running across the state from uh, Cincinnati to Columbus. So this was an idea that I've been kicking around for years, actually. And then COVID set it back a little bit to run across Maine and this spring, there was kind of a window of time when the stars aligned and my friend could help crew. And And this mm-hmm. is the first time doing like a film project. So the filmmaker schedule worked out. And um, I mean, I've been doing endurance challenges for a decade now, and mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do one at home, in my own backyard, in my own home state. And I think we can all... that you know, that resonates with us all to an extent that like we could go all anywhere, but there's Hmm. that there's home. We all, we all yearn to be where we feel at home and maybe it's not physical, but in some sense, like striving and and searching for home. And so um, because I did join the military, I think moving so much made me even more want to have that kind of Dorothy, um, moment of, of returning home. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it started, um, in the heat, like of the summer, it definitely was more about scheduling than the weather, because if I would have done it differently, I would have gone in the fall just because yeah. it would have been cooler. And then you would have had all the, the leaves would be yeah. changing, yeah. but, um, <clears throat> Yeah. So the total mileage was 341 miles doing 31 miles a day. And it was part of like a Guinness world record attempt for the most consecutive ultra marathons um, in a row by a female. And so one other thing that I was really excited to do this is I saw that the previous record holder, she did it on a 400 meter track and I was just thinking like you could see so much over the course of 300 miles and Mm -hmm. the Ohio to Erie trail, (laughs) it's a nature trail that was exactly pretty much 11 ultra marathons. And so 
it's like a rails to trails. And so I was barely by the cars or in traffic. Mm. And um, it was me and some cyclists, a few rollerbladers and, you know, runners and walkers and hikers. So it was a really nice little sanctuary uh, and like a tunnel of trees, basically yeah. all along the the state. Um, so that's, that's awesome. what I was up to a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. And and uh, you know, uh, training up to something like this, right? Uh, this is probably your biggest running adventure, correct? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So how was what did you how did you approach training to build uh, an endurance to be doing a thirty mile run every every yeah. day? Yeah. So about that, didn't train. Because, because when I don't try this at home, (laughs) like I, I was doing some interviews along the way because it was, there were like charity runs and, you know, I would tell them I didn't and, and they didn't believe it. I don't know. They thought it was a joke. Like, no, I didn't because when I was on Joe Rogan's podcast, we talked about doing the splits and. I said, that's something I've always wanted to do, like, you know, mini goals. And he's like, oh, yeah, you could do that in 30 days. So yeah, I went home and I started trying to do the splits. And my uh, physical trainer, whatever, PT, um, he said that I took it a little too aggressively. And so Mm. I strained my hamstring. And he said, based on everything, like I wasn't changing my mileage very much. And so he very much believed it was based on the splits because I was doing something that was foreign and the running wasn't necessarily foreign. So he didn't think it was a running injury. So the best thing I could do for training was not run. So I wasn't. And um, that was probably the hardest part of this, knowing that there's nothing that can replace training. But Mm. the thing that I kept reminding myself of is like, you've been training your whole life, like in some ways, like I've been doing endurance feats for years now. And of course, 11 ultras is really, I've never even done two ultra marathons in a row, you know, aside from a 140 mile run in one go, but not like waking up and doing it again. So I've never done anything, but I mean, I just figured I've, even if I had to, you know, go slower, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood. I, but that was that was super nerve wracking because, hmm. I mean, I was so tempted to even run like but I couldn't even do that. And and that took a lot of self-control to even when you're anxious about like, oh, well, I need to train. I need to train. But the best thing I could do is rest. And so. Yeah, I mean, it worked out, but we were all very, very nervous. Um, I, I would say, like, my crew had more faith than I in me than I did, just because I, I mean, you never know. You could, mm-hmm. I could have done this last year, the same event, and I would have never known because every ultra, every race, every adventure, yep. it's a huge unknown. You could do it. But there's no guarantee that 
I mean, I have so much respect for the distance and doing yeah. Ironmans. I have and all those endurance feats to know that there's no guarantees and a lot can happen in six hours yeah. of running or 10 hours of racing or um, that are out some oftentimes outside of your control. Like I got chased by Pitbull and that could have ended it. I lost a lot of toenails and if I wasn't diligent about like keeping my feet clean, I could have had a, a, an infection and that could have been game over. And so yeah. it doesn't take much heat exhaustion. It was a hundred degrees a couple Ooh. of days and you don't even need to run to get heat exhaustion in that kind yeah. of temperature. So I definitely feel lucky. Um, and yeah, like protected and, and that God was watching over this. Otherwise I, I, that it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And so when things turn out well in a way that doesn't make sense, I just have to thank hmm. God for making it possible. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, th that makes sense. But you know, just one question I had is in terms of the your experience of running, uh, right? Uh, during this 11 days, did you have like a set time in in mind? Like you want to do it in six hours or seven hours? Yeah. Was there like something Pretty like that? Pretty much that. Yeah. Okay. Six or seven hours. And um, I had to slow down sometimes because I was wearing a GoPro because for Guinness, mm -hmm. they need you to film the whole thing. And with okay. the heat and humidity. So sometimes I had to walk for that. I, and then at, with Guinness, you're allowed to take a five minute break every hour, but okay. I, I think stopping makes it harder to go. Yeah. So I'd rather just keep going. And so my strategy was at mile 20 and 25, I put my legs up for five minutes just because I have experienced edema. So that helped the swelling come, you know, and yeah, that just helped me reset a little bit. Um, and then sometimes I'd be putting ice everywhere possible to cool down. Um, and then my strategy, generally speaking, is walking on hills because you're mm -hmm. better off conserving your energy than one person described it as light. you have a, a, a set of matches. And every time you do something that's maybe explosive or anaerobic, you, you're basically. And so that's how I look at um climbs but because ohio is so flat i think there were two climbs that i walked on otherwise it was running so it was it averaged like 10 10 to 12 it with all the slowing and the stopping for breaks mm -hmm. which i mean i yeah I, I had to be careful about that too because it it you can't like generally speaking, if you're doing your first marathon, you're not racing it. You're just finishing mm -hmm. it. So I had to mm -hmm. really check myself and say, Katie, this is not a race. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and so, um, that was another thing. I wasn't running with other people because the few times I did run with other people, I treated it more like a race. And mm -hmm. so I found the best thing for me to do was to do it solo and really take all that energy to listen to what my body needed and yeah. listen to like my form and, and just, yeah, I mean, I was just constantly checking into my body to see what it might need. And that's very, I don't know. I, I find it to be 
Interesting, because like I could even look at my hands sometimes and be like, oh, low sodium because of like swelling and Mm -hmm. our bodies are always telling us something. And I think running gives a lot of feedback immediately because you're using your body so much. Yeah, almost, uh, you know, use words like mindful running, for example, to describe what you just said, right? Just being aware of it. And I think that probably also explains how you prob you you ended up finishing this you know without too much of a training behind you just being self-aware self-regulating recalibrating uh, the uh, pace and things like that uh, making sure you're hydrated uh, i think that I, I guess i guess that's what's been a core reason you you were able to kind of complete this with too much without too much training behind you right yeah so i on day one of the days like sometimes the witnesses were like medical so like ems and so i remember one time it was 100 degrees and so they have their ambulance and they're like ready to take me in and give me fluid and i'm like no no i'm definitely good and they couldn't believe it so i did the thing where if you pinch your skin you could however fast it snaps back you could tell so mm-hmm. I did it and then he did it and his was, it went back slower and he was just like waiting for me to finish. And it's just wild that I just ran 31 miles and I'm more hydrated and a hundred degrees than the person waiting to check on me to see if I'm okay. And mm-hmm. I could also tell by my heart rate, if my heart rate drops back and goes back to a lower heart rate. So yeah, I mean, my watch also tells me whether I'm heat acclimatized, so it could tell based on how high my heart rate spiking. And I, I think by day four, I was 100% acclimatized. And so that just meant, yeah, I, I could run, my heart rate wouldn't spike, but I still couldn't push as hard. And so even the heat could be seen as like, to my benefit so that I wasn't pushing too hard. It forced me to, to slow down. Yeah. Um, that makes yeah. it makes a lot of sense. And I've had a lot of, you know, uh, ultra runners on the podcast who've done some crazy distances and it's all, I've always wondered, and everyone has this question, how do people do these things? Right. And, and I think what you say is, uh, you know, spot on, there's a lot of gold in what you're saying because ultras are not the same as, you know, regular running you see in Olympics and, you know, Uh it's not that it's a, it's a lot more, it's a little bit more about self-awareness, calibrating your input, your intake fluids, and you can go longer if you're smarter about it. uh, Right. And, and, and that's also kind of reflected on what, how you, what you're saying here. Right. (laughs) I mean, my friends are like, you treat your body like it's a machine, like, because I'm, I'm, I like, looking at everything i like figuring like i don't know to me it's a puzzle and you just Hmm. i constantly you know um too much and and there's a lot of common mistakes like too much water and not enough electrolyte and um Hmm. i'm i'm liquid only and i think that clears up a whole lot of issues and i know a lot of ultra runners would be like i can't believe you'd go six hours with just fluid and 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 yeah so i do fluid which like tailwind which will give me 300 calories an hour Mm -hmm. and then i throw in a half a banana and watermelon just so that when i'm done and i'm ready to eat real food then my stomach which would have shrunk doesn't go from tiny tiny to 
a regular meal. Mm -hmm. So I am giving my stomach a chance to, you know, expand a little bit. But generally, I think if there's nothing in your GI, there's there's no reason to have GI issues. Like if you don't have to break down any mm -hmm. anything. So I find the liquid only to solve a lot of issues that for fueling, I mean, you can't go without fuel. And so fueling was definitely um, something that I would listen to. And um, I mean, there were certain days where I was like, oh, can't eat that. Oh, now I want this. Oh, and after the run. But um, yeah, it's I, I, by day seven, I think that's when there, I would definitely was questioning wow, will it only get harder and harder and harder? Will it ever get easier? And day seven, maybe even five to seven is when the tide changed and it was kind of felt more joyful. And I, I remember on day seven, I'd be like, I don't even care what mile I'm at. I don't even care when it ends. I just love running. <laughs> and that's like, there's some corny quote that like, the start of the run is when you don't realize you're running kind of like when you're so in the yeah. flow where you don't, where the whole world melts away and it's just, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. There's moments of that. Some, I mean, yeah. And the, I mean, I went to the pain cave. I had the runners high. I, you, you get it all, but I think yeah. I'm, I'm, I will sign up for all of it because I don't know. The highs are higher because of those lows. And, and mm -hmm. I, I like signing up for the whole, the whole high, yeah. the whole low, well, the that, whole experience, all the above. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very clear from going by what you've been doing for the last many years. <laughs> no, no questions <laughs> that you would sign up again. <laughs> and, well, that uh, was one of my goals. Like, yeah, I want to fundraise. Yeah, I want to finish, but I really want to like running and yeah. I have rowed and swam and I'm like, don't want to row or swim anymore. I'm good. Mm. So cycling and running are still fair game, but I I've reached this point in rowing and swimming where I'm like, don't really, don't really mm. want to go more. And so I wanted to make sure I still love running and I'm happy to share. I did not outrun my joy of running. And I mean that yeah. anytime you do something excessively, you run the risk of getting burnt out. And yeah, I have yeah. done that, but not with running and cycling. Well, that's terrific. We, we, <laughs> we intend that you continue to grow in this and uh, do more exciting things. And, and, and the beauty of this is that, you know, you, you're kind of uh, coupling this with, a, a larger mission, which is the the water mission, which I think also is a huge difference because this is just not about you. It's not an ego trip. Uh, while it does probably give you some ego boost, uh, but the larger game is about bringing awareness uh, about the water problem, water crisis in the world, which is what all your endurance events have been about. Which is which is which is which is awesome. So you know, spending a little time on that, right? Um, so how's how's that going? You know, how how do you think that's been evolving for you? Yeah, as, as, you, as you've so, been doing more and more of this. I mean, a lot has cha changed in the last decade. When I started doing endurance challenges for clean water, the the number of people in need was about a billion, and so that number has come down. I mean, obviously, it's still a huge issue, but I'm encouraged to know that we are seeing that 
it is making a difference. And um, some of the things that weren't as um, prominent for all the water projects is now that there is more um, tracking and monitoring and um, because technology is in, always improving that there's ways to do like a two week check mark and a six week check mark and impact reports. And so the tracking and monitoring is definitely improving from what it was. And that also helps with like donors to know where their money's going and to visit mm -hmm. some of the projects. And early on, you know, a lot of the focus was on water without addressing sanitation and hygiene education. So there weren't necessarily latrines or hand washing stations, but now like the charity that I partner with H2O for life, they won't do a project unless they see that all of the, the bases are covered. It, and yes, maybe for the photos and the videos, water looks cool and not as cool as a toilet, but that's also mm -hmm. equally as important. So um, everything has the, the latrines, hand washing stations and hygiene education. So I think charities are in definitely improving on their approach so that it is more holistic. Um, yeah. And, you know, there, there are more projects now in the United States. So, um, H2O for life has started partnering with, um, some nonprofits out West in the Navajo nation to do it's, um, primarily like the rainwater tanks, which are mm -hmm. cheaper than like anything else. Um, so that's been another change within the last few years, but, um, mm -hmm. yeah, the projects that were funded from this row were school-based projects. So H2O okay. for life mainly <clears throat> works, with schools in the United States to help schools get access to clean drinking water all throughout Africa, Asia, South and Central America. And so, um, I, one of the sponsors of the run is called Sawyer and they do like water filtration. Um, they do camping, um, like sunscreens, insect repellents, and then like the camping type of water filters. And so all of the water projects that have been funded actually use their technology, which is something that kind of ties in the various partners and the, the mission behind it. Um, so yeah, I was just really blown away. Um, it was a pretty aggressive fundraising goal to raise like 34,000 in the 11 days plus or minus the days promoting it before and after. But, um, the fundraising target was reached the night before my last ultra. So it was really like, you know, just the icing on the cake, just to kind of finish and know that that part of the journey was achieved, um, yeah. with just that one more to go. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. Congrats. Congratulations on that. Um, now one of the things that I always, uh, and I guess most people who are listening to this are wondering is water is a kind of a fundamental, for lack of a better word, a fundamental right for human beings in the planet, right? So it's the governments that need to provide uh, clean drinking water. So how does, how does your, uh, you know, work intersect with what a government should do 
uh, you know, like, for example, you would have uh, WHO, for example, or United Nations, for example, have, are probably also, you know, uh, uh, funding some of these bigger initiatives because this this needs to be a sustainable solution, right? So what, what are you seeing in that space? Uh, how's, how's, how are the intersections happening there? Yeah, so from my understanding, so H2O for Life has maybe 20 different implementing partners that are in the field. And so this particular partnership was with the Ugandan Water Project. And from my understanding, a lot of the projects that are being funded are in places that really wouldn't have support otherwise, kind of like these mm-hmm. neglected areas. Um, and so although I don't know a whole lot, I know that H2O for Life or Ugandan Water Project would would either of them. So H2O for Life is h2oforlifeschools.org and ugandanwaterproject.com. They both have a lot more information about hmm. their, their process, but... Um, yeah, I wish I could say more, but I'm on the front. I'm on the front end, yeah. just running around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, no, completely. I understand. I think the, this this could be a more technical conversation with the folks who are actually, uh, you know, operating that whole, uh, you know, yeah, project but on the back I end. Mean, right? That's like, yeah. I mean, that I'm glad you bring that up, just because it. The technology is simple, but mm. there's a lot more layers to it. And whether it's because of the environments are always changing yeah. and, you know, if they're relying on rainy season and it's not rainy that season, then what? Or they have this piece of equipment and um, it breaks and they brought in the tools or the, you know, the the nuts and bolts and they can't get it and, and if, it, if it's... um. <clears throat> 200 miles away and then they have to figure out a way to get there. And oftentimes I've seen a statistic that 50% of water projects fail and, you know, don't have some ongoing upkeep. And so um, there's still a lot to learn and grow in that way. Um, And yeah, obviously a lot of political things that are preventing preventing and causing this to be a bigger issue than it needs to be. But yeah, I, yeah. It, it, there's a lot. I'm glad, yeah, I'm, glad I'm on this end and they can figure out. And, and then there's the engineering, like um, yeah. there's a lot that goes into that too. So I'm glad I'm on this end figuring out just how to raise the money. So the smarter people can figure out all the rest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've read, you know, I I don't know which book or where I've read, but you know, there's there's been this whole hypothesis around water <clears throat> probably is the uh, the resource that could lead to wars in the future, right? That's yeah. Uh, one is the you know availability of water. Other is you know water security uh, with you know rivers getting polluted and you know the oceans getting polluted. Um, you know that has that's a total different dimension of water problem that people are looking at as you go to the future. Right. And then there's environment is global warming. So that you have, you have uh, glaciers melting and then 
there's certain countries that are getting submerged. So water is such a very, it's a probably a very complex topic by itself, I guess, right? Uh, absolutely. But, but hey, thanks. Thanks for what you're doing uh, in, in, in the form that you're doing, uh, using endurance to, you know, uh, drive awareness. I'm sure people who are watching your uh, work, you know, personally for me, for sure, I can say for, speak for myself, First time I saw, uh, read about your uh, endeavor on the on, on rowing across Atlantic, you know, it was, for, it was the first time I asked myself, hey, yeah, what is the problem? Yeah, so what are the problems there, right? And then you kind of uh, learn more and more as you research more and more, and so that's that's uh, that's fast. That's very you know commendable what you're doing, just bringing awareness in general uh, about the water crisis in the world. Well, I know we can't always agree on everything in our world, but the good news is no one's ever said to me, no, I don't think everyone should have clean water. So it is a universal. I mean, sometimes they're like, why aren't you helping here? And I'm like, they are helping here. We can help here or you get here. I'll get there. But generally, I like fighting for things that everyone can agree on. And in a world when sometimes we don't agree on everything, but water for all. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad idea. That's, absolutely. Not <laughs> it's a great idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, the uh, uh run itself, right? We um, we digressed a little bit about the water, but the run itself um I know you 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 also mentioned there were some moments, uh, you know, some kind of touchy moments when you had a dog chase you and yeah. uh, you had certain So, uh was there was there a moment you wanted to just give up and say, hey, you know what, uh, water water will get taken care of itself, but I got to take care of myself. <laughs> well, so there's a big, big difference between suffering that you choose and suffering you don't choose. And like hmm. anytime things got tough, like it's still something to be grateful to I was grateful even to suffer in a way that most people can't suffer like I I work full time so getting 11 days off work is not even if I'm you know really challenged in that there's still something of a gift of that and so you know I'm not a superhuman and I can say that like I just had a blast, even in the times when it was hard and, you know, starting is hard, but stopping is harder. We, we just, we had a blast and it was hard to, to end that journey because, um, I think one of the things that continues to drive me is curiosity. What's, what's beyond this road? Who are we going to meet? What are the challenges of today? How is my body going to react? Am I going to bonk? Am I going to have a runner's high? Am I going to like, am I going to get in the zone? Are there, what animals are we going to see? Like, there's just this endless feeling of excitement and curiosity for what the day holds. And Usually like days are pretty predictable, but out there on the trail, it's we it just kind of being on eggshells and being in eager anticipation for what the adventure will share. And I just think it's a beautiful space to be in, even if that includes the suffering and 
and the hardship. And um, I, I wouldn't say that I ever felt like quitting, but one of the days in particular, I was having knee issues and I've never, ever had problems with joints after all the hundreds and thousands of miles I've been running and cycling. And it was the first time, like every step I felt my knees. And Uh. that was like, you know, that was like the thing everyone would be like, but your knees. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. My knees are fine, but I felt Mm. it. And so it took a lot to get there. Right. It took me pounding and it wasn't, it was a trail, but it was concrete. So it was still a lot of pounding. And so, um, and I was losing toenails and toenails that have been lost are one thing. The process of losing it is a Mm. lot of pain. So even my run Mm. gait might've been compromised a little bit based on me trying to avoid the pain of smashing my little nails. Um, so I am a minimalist runner, meaning like I don't take caffeine. I don't take pain medicine. I feel like pain is a good thing to listen to, not something to mask. And so day five, when I did have the knee issue, that's when, you know, someone, my friend that was helping with crewing encouraged me to be comfortable taking Tylenol. And it wasn't even like, you know, this heavy duty kind of thing. But that is that is kind of where the the change happened, where it wasn't so much, you know, pain medicine that I couldn't still feel what was going on. So um, I didn't feel like quitting. I was just like, hey, if this felt like this the whole rest of the way, this might not be so fun. (laughs) And and there were times when I was like, is this only going to get harder? Like day two and three my legs felt like little bricks. And uh, I mean, when I'm super sore, I never go, hey, I'm going to go for a run right now. So I was very nervous about, I want to honor my body. I don't want to abuse or, you know, abuse my body. And so running while being sore was something that was was relatively new for me, like waking up with sore legs, waking up with legs that struggle to go up and down the stairs. But once I warmed up, it, it, it got better, but yeah, I would say, um, triathlon was great for me because I learned to bike and then run, which is, that's what they call them bricks because your legs do feel like bricks. So triathlon helped me know, you know, what that was like before experiencing it in ultras and yeah, you can run on sore, tired legs. Yeah. (laughs) Might not be as fast, but you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. The body, the body adapts. Yes. The body and adapts. then by it's... the last day, I was like the fastest one. Had a Red Bull, but still the fastest one. So yeah, it's incredible that like it got easier. And that's such a cool thing. Like usually it takes like being hit by a car, or, like seeing someone see like to get the flight or fight. But I feel like ultras get you in touch with this like superpower we all have that doesn't get activated unless something really dangerous happens. And so I think ultra gives me a little glimpse of like what that fight or flight, because I did have so much adrenaline during it that sometimes it was hard to sleep. And even when I was sleeping, I was 
dreaming of running and I'd wake up and think I was running. So I had 11 days of a lot of adrenaline and fight or flight. Mm. And um, yeah, I think that fight or flight is we all can tap into that. And, and it's cool to think that we have these abilities that can be, you know, activated. Absolutely. No, there's a lot of gold in what you said. The only, only caveat I would for people who are listening to this, right. uh, Is that you have a level of fitness, you know, through your accumulated, you know, training and endurance of different kinds. You may have not trained specifically as much before this event, but you have a general body of endurance built in. And so, you know, it's not like someone can just wake up and do what you did. Uh, you know, so that's, so uh, maybe they whatever can you... though. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether we want to recommend that though. <laughs> you you, you got to have some level of someone fitness. Someone listening okay, is going to be like, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It can be very dangerous. Dangerous. It's dangerous. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, yes. It's, you know, it's uh, you're, you're speaking to Katie, who's been doing endurance for years and decades. And it's like uh, for one event, if you're a little underprepared, you're still using your, your mind to, yeah. you know, uh, pull out some of that built-in endurance. But... Uh, for the rest of us who want to do it, you got to train for it. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. My training so, so was what's... day two and three. That was my training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was training. Day one was yeah. adrenaline. Day two and three were the training. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So what's next? Are you, uh, what What are you? Are you thinking about any project that you can share today? Do you have any suggestions? <laughs> you know, I always wondered, and I think you probably answered that question, but that was something I always had in mind because you you started in water, but you've given up on water. So it's like, what's going on here? Can you can you combine running and like, you know, like uh, at least now you have a lot of uh, uh, people doing the, um, what do you call that, you know, running and swimming together, right? This, oh, the triathlon? This kind of, or... Not triathlons. They're not triathlons. They're oh. called something else. Um, I don't know, but about it's this. basically yeah, it's like two people they they get they get tied together, and then they go out and swim and run, and it's in in a natural environment. So Wait. you you swim a lake and then you run, and then uh, yeah, it's pretty popular in Europe. It's also catching up in in US now. That sounds terrible. I'm like tied <laughs> to someone. I'll tell you what it is. Let me just pull up what it is. Well, I mean, the real answer is 200 miles, 200 miles. I would like to do 200 miles. You know, the ultra runs that are 200 miles. Yeah, yeah. You, and you then, have the, uh, yeah, you have, uh, you have the Moab 240. No, okay, uh, so here's the thing. If you do it in the mountains, it's like power hiking. You're not actually running. Hmm. So okay. I don't like all the mountains because it's like, are you really running? Hmm. So at, at least for me, I don't know if I'm here training in Maine. I, I don't know. So there is one across Florida that's 200 miles. Um, I was thinking of doing it this December, but I think it's too much, too much with everything else I have. But my friend and I are planning a rollerblading endurance yeah. adventure rollerblading the florida keys and then next year i will likely be 
getting all the pieces in play for an around the world journey by basically pretty much bicycle. So I mm. rode across the Atlantic and want to continue by uh, bicycle to South to North America, go across the Bering Sea, Russia, through Asia, Middle East, Europe, back down, Africa, and yeah, call it a fun. day. Yeah, call it a day. That'd be like what? Uh, over how many days do you think that? Uh, probably like three up? years. I'm talking about okay. three years. Yeah, that's, that's true endurance. I had a guest on the podcast who's been just doing that all his life. Cycling oh. around the world, yeah, yeah, not not fast. He just does it uh, slowly, and uh, he. But that's what he does. That's his life. He does nothing else, but but bicycle around the world. That's wild, and cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I might yeah. see him out there then if he's still going. <laughs> he's right now in America somewhere. Uh, he came back to the U.S. and he's somewhere in the U.S. <laughs> That's that's rad. I love it. <sighs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. The the thing that I was talking to you about is swim run. The you know the the new phenomena of running and swimming together. That's called swim runs. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. I don't know about being tied to someone while doing it. It sounds a little frustrating. It's a team. It's a team. Like, it's, a team. it's a team activity. But <laughs> you're tied, tied while you're running too. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, there is one run where you run with a donkey for a marathon out west. Okay. That was one I was like, that sounds like an adventure. Maybe that one. Just, you know, seeing. But that's like, I think it's called Run with the Burrows. And it's a race that they do every year. And you just, yeah, you and your donkey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And what about running across Africa kind of thing? You know, uh, have you ever thought of that since a lot of your work is, you know, um, helping? So for the around the world journey, I was thinking of maybe doing one leg of it, a running one. Um, so okay. if if I feel, because I, I love cycling, but I also mm-hmm. like the slower pace of like, if I was doing a marathon a day mm-hmm. versus, you know, 70 miles on the bike or whatever. So I I think maybe for the West Africa part, it might be cool to run the Sahara. And um, I do know some, like there's a film about it, but there's yeah. three runners that were like the first to do it. And um, so, yeah, I think that could be, but that's like so far away and a lot can happen. And so I'm very yeah. much focused on the next leg rather than, yep. but yes, in yep, the back yep. of my head. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, possibilities are endless. Yeah. If you're, if you're willing to put yourself out there and which is what you do, you're trying to push envelope, your envelope all the time. So yeah, yeah. We look forward to 200 miler, which is probably the next, right? Uh, look forward to hearing about that. Um, yeah. So, Hey, Katie, it was, uh, I think we covered a fair amount of ground just in terms of what you've been doing in the pandemic and, the new 11 by 11 project and, you know, how you continue to, you know, uh, educate all of us about the importance of water, uh, drinking water, access to drinking water in the world. Uh, so thank you for what you're doing. Um, and we're kind of coming up to a wrap up here. 
And before I let you go, there's one thing I wanted to do was a fun Q&A round. Um, So let's do that before we call it a wrap up. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Some fun questions all about you. So I won't put you in trouble for sure. (laughs) Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, You love food? You love to eat? Guilty. Guilty. Okay. What's your favorite junk food? I mean, I'm all about dark chocolate. I love dark (laughs) chocolate. But dark chocolate is not junk food. Okay. Dark chocolate is good food. Um, a veggie burger and fries. I eat that after my ultras. Okay. The, fries, sweet potato fries. Yeah, maybe. That probably qualifies as junk food. <laughs> but look, seems like what, what you eat is all healthy. <laughs> Not like a ton of ice creams or something like that. No. All right. What's the most difficult part of being you? I think it's just like having so many ideas and Hmm. like never feeling like you could do them all. Hmm. Too many ideas. Not enough time. Like like focusing on one of them or which one to pick. Well, it could be like overwhelming if you have so many ideas Hmm. and you want to do them all. Yeah. So do you have a process of how you go about... uh, Determining which one to pick next? Um, It's usually very clear, but it's just a matter of time. Like, when is Mm. the timing right? Like, it's very clear about when I... Doing an Ironman, I always wanted to do that. It was very clear. Mm. And it's pretty clear to me about 200. Um, Mm. Just because I feel like... Well, sometimes if I know I'd regret not doing it, that's always like a pretty clear, but also I feel like it wouldn't be justifying the training, like the training Mm -hmm. warrants that kind of challenge. Like, so I feel like it would be not utilizing the training that's been there, which is ultra after ultra after ultra after ultra. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like, well, why? We, of course, you would want to strive for that distance if you've already gone that far already. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of an organic, um, it's kind yeah. of organic in that sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Got it, and got it. yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to go any further than 200, so I kind of want to w- move on to other things, reaching the limit that I felt like you know was, was, was it like that was the mm-hmm. farthest I'd want to go. And I've reached that in cycling. Cycling's 375 miles in one go. That'll do it. And that was like a 24-hour event. And so I I would like to reach that in my own personal, yeah, running limit. Makes sense. Uh, Something you love to do when you're not, you know, dreaming up these endurance spots. Puzzles. Puzzles? Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. So that's that. That's your mind training. That's that's the brain training part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. That's a good package. That's a good package. Train your mind. Train your brain. That's a good good uh, good lifestyle, right? Yeah. Because I think one of the things that deteriorates with age is also you know brain power, right? As just yeah. like like they say about muscle 
tone, it's also brain power. So that's great. Good, good takeaway. Uh, a song that uplifts and inspires you. Uh, uh, I have no idea what I'm even. Or, or a book, to. or maybe a book. Oh, a book. Or a, yeah. Well, the, I have to say the Bible. I'm Christian. That's okay. Yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, like that's that's where I get little nuggets all the time. Like, oh, hmm. okay, I get this now. Okay. All right. All right. And uh, the last question that um, I ask, that's, that's one of my favorite questions I ask my guests is, if a movie were made of you, right, what genre would you put it in and who would you like uh, to play your character? I mean, okay, it would have to be like action and adventure, but I don't know if I could do this, but so when I rode across the Atlantic, I had a mini Wilson tennis ball and mm -hmm. which was like Tom Hanks and Castaway. And I just finished this adventure where people were literally running with me like Forrest Gump, which is another Tom Hanks. So, yeah. I mean, that's where I'm gravitating towards, but I'm not a dude. So that that's fine. That that could be a challenge. That could be a challenging role for Tom Hanks to play. He's never done that. I don't think he's done that. He's never played a woman. <laughs> but the female version of Tom Hanks. Please. Who would that be? I have no idea. Hmm. Okay. I don't really watch a whole lot of movies, but okay. <laughs> All right. You did well. You did well, uh, Katie. Uh, we learned a few more things about you. Uh, you know, and, and and if Tom Hanks uh, was sending a script your way, if you're willing to play a woman, you never know. You can make you can make it happen. You are a great actor, so you never know the uh, art of possible in acting. <sighs> Kerry, thanks a lot. Uh, it was a, a fun conversation uh, as usual. Learned a lot, and um, we uh, wish you uh, continued uh, inspiration, power to do. Uh, what you're doing and uh, broaden hopefully broaden this even further uh, as you keep doing new projects uh, endurance and water you know solving the water crisis or bringing awareness to that right? so thank you uh, thank you so much all right sounds all good. right see ya